Father, we thank you for today. We thank you for this community of believers that you're building. And God, we don't take lightly your scripture. We don't take lightly who you are. God, and more than anything, we just want to become more like you. God, that the definition of fixate is to gaze at with unwavering attention and focus. May today, this morning, be a tipping point of our focus continually being upon you and only you. So, Father, we thank you and we praise you in Jesus' name. And everybody said... What I want to talk about today, and we're going to talk about it for the next few weeks, because some of you guys probably have no grid for like anything. Some of you guys were here last week, like I said, for the first time. We were all really in here for the first time last week. But uh, we're going to be talking about something, and and me and my wife specifically have a huge heart on um, kind of a a Christian buzzword nowadays, and it's called spiritual formation. And early on when we were praying and believing what the Lord was going to do with this church, what we were thinking about was strategically the word renewal. And it wasn't necessarily, uh, you know, you hear a lot in churches revival, but a lot of the times the renewal is this idea of our habits being renewed in the image of the creator, right? And then all of a sudden being formed from these habits, So there's a couple great books that I'll quote later on that you can read. I'm a huge reader. But today what I want to talk about is the formation of the fixated, right? Soft alliteration, not like a crazy one. Don't worry, we're all along for the ride. Formation of the fixated. And what I mean by that is I believe for a lot of us, right, we have an idea in our minds of what it means to follow God. And in all honesty, if you even have that thought in your mind, God's proud of you. Because in this day and age, it's like, I went to church once every eight months, and then I read Sprinkle of Jesus. Gosh, I thought I'd get more laughs. I'm going to tell jokes, and you better laugh, or else I'm just going to feel ashamed. <laughs> Last week was funny, because people just don't know my humor. And so I said like 15 jokes, and only my friends laughed. You guys are all my friends. You're allowed to laugh. So... Uh, But renewal, the context of renewal that we really thought was this idea of what it meant to kind of go back to the traditional elements of what it meant to follow Jesus within this modern time. And in a lot of the, and a lot of you guys, now that you've been in this building, the first time we ever walked in this building, we felt like it was a prophetic moment for us because it was a traditional building within a modern time. And so our goal is to take the traditional elements of what it means to follow God, whether that's me and my wife are huge. We're big on fasting and praying. We're big on Sabbath. We're big on community. We're big on reading the Bible consistently and rhythmically, right? You're going to hear rhythms, patterns, routines, lifestyles, that stuff you're just going to hear here. Because in my opinion, as we look out at what's gone on in our country as it pertains to the disconnect between the body of Christ and really humanity, at large, what we're seeing is, is we don't know how to answer questions because we haven't been rooted enough deeply to have the revelatory knowledge that is needed to aid our society. And, and, and I think that a lot of us, as we, as we sit in this room, if I ask you, right, like, what is our depth of knowledge? We're maybe even getting a little queasy answer in that, Right? What is our depth of knowledge, just to, not just in the scripture, but in the relationship and personhood of Jesus? How deeply rooted are we? One of the foundational verses of this house is that we would be trees firmly planted by streams of water that yield fruit in all seasons. I'm from, I'm from Michigan, 
okay? I was born in California. Oh, Sean's laughing. My father-in-law's in the back because I don't, I don't claim Michigan anymore. I'm Phoenix till I die. Oh, hallelujah. Oh, but I was born in California, raised in Michigan. And I'm gonna tell you this, when you're driving down a country road in December, which we will be at Christmas and God help me, because it's gonna be snowy and cold. And I'm just gonna be thinking of home. Oh, when you're driving down a field and you look out, right, you don't see apple trees with apples because it's winter and it's cold. And so when I read that verse, that's what I see. I see driving through the winter and looking and seeing trees that are producing apples. And, and I would say to some of us, maybe we've had this idea of Christianity as only producing things in season, but we serve a God who works and produces things out of season. And so what I want to do is we're going to jump into formation of the fixated. And what you're going to find is once again, buzzwords, you're going to hear them a lot, but we are focused on four things here, depth, discipline, sacrifice, and sustainability. And what we're going to do is the next few weeks, all we're going to do is focus on depth, discipline, sacrifice, and sustainability. And where this comes from is, in my opinion, as a churchgoer and somebody who's been on staff now over 10 years in churches, I can say this, is that we're really good at preaching sacrifice. Give us your time. Give us your gifts. Give us your resources. All right. But we, but and, and in all honesty, those things are important. And in my opinion, I think a lot of the times we become sacrifice adverse when we forget that we serve a king who sacrificed everything for us. But sacrifice must be done within the context text of depth and discipline. And what I mean by that is if you have depth and you have sacrifice, but you don't have discipline, you'll have burnout. If you have discipline and you have sacrifice, but you do not have depth in the Holy Spirit, you'll have legalism. You need depth in the Holy Spirit. You need disciplines of being rhythmically in the word to understand why we sacrifice and how to sacrifice healthy, and then you'll have sustainability. So as we, as we kind of bring this thing full circle over these next few weeks, I pray that you're challenged right in your depth of the Holy Spirit and awareness of God, the discipline of reading and applying his word so that you can understand sacrifice so you don't go through the things. Because in my opinion, this is what's sad. And you're, you're just gonna get it straightforward here is the deconstructive elements and the things that are going on with people leaving the church is because we talk about sacrifice, sacrifice, sacrifice. And we almost misuse or just gloss over what it means to have depth. What it means to walk in the disciplines of Jesus. And I'm not just saying these as buzzwords, me and my wife right now, I can attribute, and this is gonna sound crazy to some people, I can attribute, me and my wife, we fast and pray for 24 hours every single week. And I can attribute every single breakthrough in our church and in our transition to fasting and praying, right? And, and most of us, and I'm not sitting here saying, all right, this week now, 72 hour fast and pray. You guys leave, you eat, you're the devil. No, I don't. I was like, man, how far are we going to go here? We're going there. But what, but what I'm saying is this, is if, you, if this is going to be your church home, it's going to be a focus on your depth. It's going to be a focus on the disciplines. 
and then we can talk about sacrifice. Or if you're somebody and you're like, man, I've, already, I've got depth and discipline's great because we need some people to sacrifice where a church plant. Anyway, we won't talk about that. So what I want to talk about, formation of the fixated. And um, I was telling actually a buddy, Kevin, he's here, uh, this story yesterday. So act like you've never heard it yet, Kevin. I don't know where you're at. Great haircut, though. He got it yesterday. It's looking good. Um, a few years ago, I was getting picked up at the airport. I'm a storyteller, too, so bear with me. It's okay. We'll laugh, too. Um, I, was at a, uh, I was at the airport getting picked up, and my sister was picking me up, and she drove a Prius at the time. I did not drive it. However, I would like to be driving one right now. Can I get an amen, right? We're back up to five. Lord, please help us. Um, but anyway, I was, I was listening to what that was. Um, I was, got picked up at the airport, and she, we were driving a Prius, and we went and we got some food. And I remember we go inside, we walk back outside, and she's got a Prius, and I go to reach and open the door, and the door's locked. This is an electric car. Everything's electric. There ain't no key handles or nothing. So I'm like, how in the heck did this thing lock itself? And we're like two hours from home. I was actually going to be preaching that, that day. It was, we had Saturday nights at the time. And so I, we were needing to get back. And I was like, yo, what are we going to do? So we call AAA and naturally AAA, it's like we pay for it. And then we find out it's a six hour wait and we just call a buddy. Right? So like I call, I'm like, hey, when can you guys get there? And they're like in, in 17 days. And you're like, okay, I'm going to call somebody else. So I remember I'm in the middle of Chicago, we're eating, and I just decide, I look on my Google Maps that there's a bunch of car dealers around. So this is me, you'll, you'll find out if you come here frequently, you'll find out my personality is this way. So I just run to car dealerships, walk into the service department and say, hey, I'll give you guys a hundred bucks if you can open my car that's about a half mile away. And they look at me, they're like, yeah, we don't do that here. And I, so I did that to three car dealerships, I'm just running. Guess what? Finally, I get to the place where I've ran to three car dealerships. I am dripping in sweat. I've done all that I can do, and I walk up to the car, and I am very frustrated. No, no choice words have been said. <laughs> and I sit on the car, and I look, and I'm literally on the hood, and I'll never forget it because I'm on the hood of the car, and I'm looking in, and there's a blinking light going off on the dash. And I look closely, and it's a door ajar deal. And I'm like, okay, well, that's weird. There's no door open. So I just decide I'm going to go around the car and just kind of bump every door in. So I bump, I bump, 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 bump the last one, and it latches. And as soon as it latches, the car unlocks itself. And I was like, man, I just ran to three. I've ran more. That was the most I've ran since fifth grade gym class. I was like, I'm sweating. I'm like, have to repent to my sister because of choice words. Right, I like, I like, am so bad, but I'm also like, wow, it was that simple. And, and in all honesty, it was just a little nudge. And, and I want to encourage you today that sometimes we come to church and we hear sermons like, hey, let's develop depth, let's develop discipline, let's develop these things. We, we come to church and we, we hear these things and we think they're these huge adjustments when really it's just obedience to small nudges that may unlock locked doors that may take you to places that you're supposed to go to. And I pray today for you guys who are here and you're looking and you're saying, God, it's so much work that you would really remember that story of man. No, it's not a lot of work. It's just a response to nudging. Depth in the Holy Spirit is just responding to nudging. 
And for some of us, we're trying to get places and we're feeling locked out and we're feeling like we're never gonna get there. And God today is saying, hey, it's actually a response to nudging. And it can unlock things that you feel like have been locked and give you the ability to move places you didn't think you would be able to. But it starts with the nudge. Let's read some scripture because I can't tell stories all day. Acts 3, 1 through verse 7. What we're going to do is we're going to be looking at this word depth through, the, through Acts specifically because it's a, a familiar season that we're in, right? We're birthing what we feel like is a church. And but I said that because it still doesn't feel like it because me and my wife are just along for the ride at this point. Uh, but, but we really felt like there were some strategic passages And I'm kind of going to jump and focus on three of them related to what the church formation of us is going to look like and really what depth looks like in formation of spirituality. So Acts 3, 1 through verse 7, and it says this. Now Peter and John were going up to the temple at the ninth hour, the hour of prayer. And a man who had been lame from his mother's womb was being carried along whom they used to set down every day at the gate of the temple, which is called Beautiful in order to beg for alms of those who were entering. When he saw Peter and John about to go into the temple, he began asking to receive alms. But Peter, along with John, fixed his gaze on him. I love the NSB because it straight just steals fixates definition right here. Fixed his gaze. It's literally fixated, and it's all over in Acts if you read NAS. NASB 1995 version, not the 2020 version. 1995 is better. I'm dead serious. I study it a lot. Amen. There we go. So, and he began to give them his attention, expecting to receive something from them. So what is he doing? He's sitting here begging for alms, and he has somebody's attention on him, and his mind automatically goes to, all right, I'm about to get some cash. Let's keep going. But Peter said, I do not possess silver and gold, but what I do have, I give to you in the name of Jesus Christ, the Nazarene walk. And seizing him by the right hand, he raised him up and immediately his feet and his ankles were strengthened. With a leap, he stood upright and began to walk and he entered the temple with them, walking, leaping and praising God. You know, I love this passage of scripture because it's convicting to me. And the reason is, is because you see Peter and John actually fixed their gaze on him before he fixed his gaze upon Peter and John. And what you see is, right, immediately when he notices that they're noticing him, his mind reverts to the natural way of living of, oh, they're going to, I'm getting something. And bear with me, but in this particular instance, I believe that Peter and John, I love the passage because it says that he's only focused on them for what he can get, right? And he doesn't know what they have. He just knows what he wants. He doesn't know what they possess. He doesn't know that they can heal him, right? He just knows what he wants. And and what I'm saying is this, and I want to pose a question to you. There is a big difference between getting and gaining. And what I mean by that is I believe, right, in this particular instance, what he gained was a lot different than what he was hoping to get. And I think a lot of us, we have views of God as God, I want to get something from you. And God's looking at you and saying, no, I want you to gain something of me. 
And really for some of us, that might be like a, a new thing where we wake up every day and we're praying for like, man, I want the new Ferrari. Like I want it all. Like God, give me the comfort. Give me like everything. And God's like, man, if, if I'm just the person who you get things from, like that, that's not how this works because I'm the one who actually, I want you to gain something of me that transcends even what your perception of receptivity is. Because in my opinion, right, this man was asking for something way less than what was wanting to be given to him. But where, where it was coming from was a perception of the natural, not a knowledge of the supernatural. And I think for us today, right, is I pray that we don't pray prayers rooted in such a natural existence to where we never actually get to experience the supernatural because all we've ever asked to be given is natural things. Because in my opinion, right, getting the natural is nothing compared to gaining the supernatural. So this is our first point, right? And and in depth, as we evaluate depth, I wanna challenge you on that basis, right? Because if depth is every time you go to God, it's under the perception of give me something rather than God, I wanna gain more of you, amen. If we're going to God with the perception of what are you gonna get me? What are you giving me rather than God? What can I gain of you? that makes me become more like you, that shows me more of your heart. See, this is the place of healthiness within depth. Second passage of scripture I wanna look at. I love this, Acts 4, verse 13. And in this one, Peter and John have been arrested. And I love this because they've been arrested and they're literally looking at him and they're like, yo, you can't talk about God anymore. You need to stop. And Peter's like, I already denied him three times. I can't do it again. (laughs) It's like, if I do it again, this ain't going to be good. And they're like, listen, do not talk about Jesus. Do not talk about God. Like, don't, don't be telling anybody. I don't want you guys doing any weird stuff. And then it says this, right? One of my favorite passages, Acts 4.13. Now they observe the confidence of Peter and John and understood that they were uneducated and untrained. They were amazed and began to recognize they had been with Jesus. See, I think this is the hurdle some of us have looked as it pertains to depth as we look for the education and the training rather than the, have I just been with God? And, and I want to demystify, right? Because I believe education and training is important, but it will never supersede time with God. And I've seen plenty of people who really value education, who really value training and really don't value time with God and they aren't walking with him anymore. And what's sad today is that we've taught from a young age how important education and training is and not a ton about how important is your time, just your time and him. And I pray today that maybe we're almost turning our minds away from this depth-based understanding of, okay, well, I only have depth if I have credential that shows it. I only have depth if I've been trained in it for four years. No, these guys only had depth because they knew they'd been with Jesus. And I love what it says, because they were confident. 
And I'll say this, I I love this because in the church today, we talk all about pride and it is a sin and it is wrong. But man, we should be confident in the God we serve. We should be confident in his goodness. We should be confident in his direction. We should be confident in his calling for us. We should be confident in his love. See, those are the things that define if you spent time with God is when people can get a whiff of that confidence and not a defeated mindset. I challenge you today, if all we're looking for is training and education and the last thing we're doing is spending time with Jesus, we might find out that one day we're not following him anymore. And I pray as people of the kingdom in this day and age, in 2022, that we would be challenged to not just be okay with education and training, to not just be okay with being at the top of the food chain as it pertains to knowing the gift or the talent that we have. But rather we would trust that our talent within the hands of the talent maker and spender is greater than any on our own education or our own training. Acts 3, 19. Therefore repent and return so that your sins may be wiped away in order that times of refreshing may come upon you from the presence of the Lord and that he may send you Jesus, the Christ appointed to you. If we all close our eyes just for a second, I want to read this to you. And almost like prepare your heart to kind of receive this passage of scripture. Therefore, repent and return so your sins may be wiped away in order that times of refreshing may come from the presence of the Lord and that he may send you, Jesus, the Christ who was appointed for you. You can open up your eyes. Um. In this day and age, I, I, I'll say this. I grew up thinking about, and, and many of you guys will probably have heard this phrase, right? The idea of relationship over religion. And in my, in my opinion, looking back, hindsight 2020, as I remember uttering this phrase over and over. It's not relationship or, or it's not religion, it's relationship. And there's such a truth to it. But I do think it, in this day and age, maybe has done more harm than good. And what I mean by that is religion is, is, was a, is a forming element. It's a, it's a, it's a principle. It's a, it's a doctrine. It's, it's this way of functioning and believing. It's, it's almost like this, the certainty element where religion doesn't, a relationship, it's more like this floating one. And what I'm essentially trying to say is, is I believe we're called to have relationship and religion. And, and in my opinion, where, where we've maybe faltered is we've taken all the control into God. It's just my relationship with you. And we haven't had any behaviors of what religion has actually implemented. And what I mean by that is I'm not saying at all that let's like, all right, listen, let's all do organized religion and just get baptized into it. Right? Because obviously I gave two points before this that were good points. <laughs> but what I am saying... I do think we have struggled with the idea of finite things, 
of structure, of rhythm, of routine, of committedness, of rootedness. See, the good things of religion are actually good things. And I'll even say this, right? It says literally, Jesus says, I didn't come to abolish the law, I came to fulfill it. And, and the fulfilling of the law is the fulfilling of the personhood of Jesus. And Jesus showed up and he could have never went to the tabernacle one time. He could have never done all of the festivals and all the stuff. He, couldn't, he was above all of that. Yet he still entered into the rhythmic practice of what it was in that day and age. And I want to encourage you today. See, depth to me is this understanding of spirit and scripture and them coming together. And I think for some of us, maybe we've never had this awareness of like, okay, what is my relationship with the Holy Spirit and what is my relationship with Scripture? And these are the things that define depth. They're the things that define who we're going to become as followers of Christ is how open and receptive we are to His Word and to His Spirit. And I think the awareness of these things are the foundations of depth for us But more than anything, they're for us to be formed by him. Acts 9, 31 says this, So the church throughout all Judea and Galilee and Samaria enjoyed peace, being built up and going on in the fear of the Lord and in the comfort of the Holy Spirit. I was challenged by this verse. And normally I like to, teaching-wise, if you come here, I typically take a big passage and we just unpack it. But I just felt challenged in Acts to kind of look at some early church stuff and apply it to us. And in this one, I'm going to read it again because I want you to understand what's actually going on. This is the roadmap for growth in the church. It's not dope social media. It's not all the stuff. It's not all the fluff. It's not having inflatables and cotton candy, which I'm not against those things. I love inflatables and I do like cotton candy. If you don't, you might, I don't know, you you may need prayer. (laughs) But in this, I want you to specifically think about church growth through this lens because it literally references it. So the church throughout all Judea, Galilee, and Samaria enjoyed peace being built up and going on in the fear of the Lord and the comfort of the Holy Spirit. And then the last part, it continued to increase. And I want to challenge you, like I said, these are kind of my, my, my final thoughts. Fear of the Lord and comfort of the Holy Spirit. That's what brought growth. A fear of the Lord and and a fear of the Lord, the reverential awe of who he is, but also an awareness of the sovereignty of him and a comfort in the Holy Spirit. It's almost like fear and comfort. Those things kind of, you're like, okay, who wrote this? Because this is kind of a paradox. But I love it. Because if you think about it, right? as As I look at my life, I don't sit here and think, man, like, I wouldn't say I have like a tangible fear of God, like just striking me down. I would say I have a depth of love in the Father in which my behavior is modeled by what his behavior was. And so in that place, I want to do what Jesus did, not what everything else tells me to do. And so there's a fear of God. I don't want to do that because you lived such a better way 
that I would much rather choose you, so help me to stay on that path. And the comfort of the Holy Spirit essentially is this place of trusting that what is inside leading my life, if formed in, from Christ and from his word, is good. And it'll produce good fruit. But depth, if we ask ourselves, what is depth to us? I think we'd have a lot of different answers. So what I want to do is I'm going to take a, just a very quick practical element right now. Okay, and what I mean is I'm not going to, I don't typically like to talk about, um, yeah, I tell testimonies and different things here. Oh, there it goes. Thank you, Noah. <laughs> yeah, you can look at it later. I almost asked you and then I was like, dude, he just looks too good in the front row. So what I wanted to do is I wanted, I don't typically like to, and the Lord's been challenging me that, on this because we, me and my wife, we have crazy testimonies and things that happen um, to us, but I never want to tell things and people to develop a stigma of, oh, that's just how Micah functions or that's just how Micah is. If I ever tell anything, it's from a place of wanting to activate something in you. So what, what we're going to talk about right now, just for my closing moments, is how do we activate thing, depth in you? And so we've talked a little bit about depth. We've looked at some passages, but I want to just tell you, I have a wake-up routine of depth. My wake-up routine of depth, I put my phone underneath my Bible. I put my phone under my Bible and under this book as a reminder that when I wake up in the morning, the first thing I'm doing is I'm reading one chapter of Psalm, and this is a book of of super dope poetry. <laughs> Felt weird saying it, but I did. The first thing I'm going to do, my wake-up routine, is I'm going to read one psalm, I'm going to read one poem, and I'm just going to pray to God for a minute. It's less than five minutes, but I'll tell you this, it sets my intent for the day. When we talk about depth, I'm not just going to talk about it, I'm going to tell you how we live it. And so for some of us, we've maybe never had habits of depth. You don't have a wake-up routine, and you wonder why you've struggled with, like, anxiety and just all this stuff. And it's because we wake up, we roll over, we look at our phones for 45 minutes, and then we wonder why, like, our chest is tight. It's because all we've done is, like, compare ourselves, figure out all the 10,000 things we need to do that day. What, what does it mean to have depth? It's to reach for first things first. Right? So that's my wake-up routine. Me and my wife online, we've, we've put it up there. We have, a, we have a, a, a very rhythmic practice of reading scripture. It's two chapters out of four quadrants of the Bible four times a week, and we journal about it. And that's what these notebooks are. These notebooks are years of just every day reading eight chapters and a couple books. Every day. And I wanted to show you guys, because I think that when in the Old Testament, when I used to talk about when they would set up monuments to not forget God and what he'd done, Judges was super convicting to me as I read it and studied it. And if you were here the first week, we talked about it. It was super convicting to me because what you saw is that every 20 to 70 years, they would need a new redeemer because people would walk away from the Lord. And essentially what it came down to was almost these parents weren't raising their children up in the understanding of who the deliverer was. So they were walking away and every generation had to have a new revelation of God and his delivering power. And that is what delivered them. And what these are, these are, the, these are my memorial stones. 
my things I look at when I a little bit forget who God is, not who God is, but when I'm questioning God, are you gonna get me through? I'm reading the journals from five years ago. I'm reading about revelation that I had seven years ago. And see, this is depth, is when even when we're feeling a little dry, we can trust, man, he got me through that. He can get me through this. So what I wanted to do is ask you, do you have a routine of reading scripture? Because in the church today, once again, my routine will not be good enough for you. I'm, not, I'm talking about my routine of how I read and then tell you. The routine will only be good if you apply it to yourselves. And what's sad is faith has become faith of regurgitation today, not faith of revelation. If, I, if all you're doing is able to regurgitate who I am, I'm doing a terrible job. But if you can take faith and you can intersect it into your life and you can develop the rhythms, the patterns, and the behaviors, all of a sudden you might find that there's, there's something happening on the inside. There's a fulfillment. There's a wholeness. Right? So I, that's a wake-up routine, but online you can go to fixatephoenix.com. It's under, is it under, it's a, literally a reading tab. Slash Bible, fixatephoenix.com slash Bible. It's a reading plan me and my wife have done for years. So we talked about, remember, right? We talked about the spirit and we talked about scriptures. The spirit routine to me is I will not miss environments that will form me in understanding and awareness of the Holy Spirit. I won't miss environments where I can be with him. And that's church, that's worship, that's prayer. We're gonna roll out some things next week because we're not just a Sunday morning church. But it's things that form me in the awareness of the Holy Spirit. I will not miss these things because I need to have a depth in him that transcends the storms that try to uproot everything I stand for. And you have to have community. And once again, come back next week, two weeks in a row, I know I'm asking a lot. (laughs) But come back next week because we're gonna talk about what community looks like here and what it's gonna look like kind of going forward and giving opportunity for all of us to grow together. because I would say this, right? Get a, get a wake-up routine, get a scripture routine, get a spirit routine, and get a community routine, and that's where depth is, I mean, forged. And I would say this, I believe every single one of us, God has, devi- has designed with intrinsic purpose, but it will be up to us to steadfastly pursue him. So with that, we could just bow our heads and close our eyes. I'm just going to, something that we do here, something that we do here is I just want to, I read a prayer over people um, based off of the message that was given. And so today I just want to read a prayer over all of us. And if you feel comfortable, if you want to open up your hands, just as a, as a receptivity of what the word was today and father, we long for your depth the depth of relationship that only comes with intentional time spent with you. One that reshapes and forms us into your image and likeness. We hope not to get, but to gain. To gain only the things you view are beneficial for our existence. Not to be known as those who pursued the training and the education above the intimacy of knowing who you truly are. 
We long to not just repent, but we want to return to the times of refreshing you have in store for us as we prioritize a life of depth in your spirit and scripture. And we develop habits around those. Father, we come today longing to be washed. For in John 13, 8, it says, Jesus answered him, if I do not wash you, you have no place with me. Father, we want a place with you. And whatever needs washed today, may you wash and remove. Our place in you is the only place we ever want to be, oh God. We thank you and we praise you. In Jesus' name, amen.